This this is the Impressions Exchange Podcast. Impressions Exchange Podcast. Where all topics impacting the graphic imaging and printing industry are addressed via in-depth news coverage, analysis, and timely interviews. Hi, I'm Denise Gustafson, the Editorial Director for Napco Media and the guest host for the special Printing Impressions Podcast series in celebration of Women's History Month, highlighting women in the printing industry. During this series, I'll have the opportunity to talk with women from all segments of the industry about their experiences and their journey as a woman in the printing industry. So today it's my pleasure to welcome Jill Fletcher. She's the Regional Vice President with Thomas Printworks. Jill, welcome. Hi, how are you? Good, I'm so glad that you're here today. So I know you're a Regional Vice President, so can you tell us a little bit about what your role is within Thomas Printworks and a little bit about Thomas as well? All right, Thomas is, we'll start with them, is a still a family-owned company. We have stores in four states around the country. Um, I think we have 23 locations total. And my job is managing the six Florida locations, ranging from Southeast Florida all the way up to Orlando. In awesome. four so that, that means you're in the Sunshine State. That is correct. <laughs> I, might be, I might be jealous I'm in the Northeast, so I would very oh much like your weather, that's for sure. Yes. Yes. So how did you get started in printing? You know, that's a big question. It is a big question. I will tell you when I was in high school, which it's been many years, trade and industry was not a female option. Mm-hmm. Until they built us in my hometown in the Northeast with a new high school, which allowed us girls, a few, to take shop, woodworking, and printing was one of the options. And I was like, oh, I want to do that only because it was different as economics. So that's how I got started. And we had small duplicator presses and a CompuWriter 4 in our lab. And I got the bug back then. Awesome. So I have to say that's probably since all the women that I've spoken to this month so far, you were the first one that has actually had that experience of like learning about print in high school. Right. Which is very, I want to say, unfortunately, it's very odd because most people I don't think really have any introduction to print until much, much later on in their career. True. And then what that allowed me to do is I continued my education and actually my degree is in officially printing production management from Rochester Institute of Technology. So So you're an RIT graduate. So I'm an RIT grad. (laughs) So what have you now, what has that enabled you to do? So obviously you're working now with Thomas Printworks, but what has been your journey, you know, after you got your degree, where did, how did you proceed after that? (laughs) Right. Well, the first thing I did was I moved south. I went to Texas from Rochester. <laughs> no, I, I had right for the warm weather. I do not right blame to you. the south. <laughs> so I was very fortunate to work for a company there that was actually at the time a typesetting house. It wasn't, um, you know, digitally they had old Mercantile linotype, mm-hmm. but they had just converted to digital. So I got on with their team there, and from Houston moved to a printing company in Austin, which was traditional print. Okay. Typesetting department and converting them to digital. So that's where it really started. And so that now you're convert your two companies. Two companies in, and then from there, 
in eight, in the mid eighties, I moved to, which was becoming the trend to a service bureau okay. to be able to keep that connection to type. I worked for a couple of companies, you know, in Austin that were cutting edge at the time, new Macintosh people, you know, it was, it was a big deal. So we grew up with the change in technology. And then just over time went to work for companies that had just started to dabble into large format color and never looked back. So everything since the mid eighties has been large format color, early vehicle wraps, direct e-transfer, you know, all kinds of stuff. I remember e-stat. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh yes, I remember it well. Yes, so, exactly. I it's mean, but very, that was... When I started in the industry, it was the late nineties and there were still lots and lots of companies doing ESTAT at the time. Right, exactly. So you've seen technology wise, so many different things over the yes. course of the years. Yes, and it's still changing. And the key I honestly feel to success is staying ahead of that curve. What's next? What's gonna be better? Even if it's just materials, mm. you know, keeps us striving forward. Definitely does. And it keeps us fresh and it keeps us learning. Exactly. Even, I would even say it keeps us young. Yes, absolutely. Because it's always a challenge. Always a challenge. <laughs> so. so, you know, over the course of your career so far, I mean, you've had many different jobs. Has there been any one person or one of an association or a group of people that have really helped you to get where you are today? I will tell you at the advantage of RIT at the time was still pretty much male dominated. Mm -hmm. The professors there, both male and female, were really good at coaching the women that were there on how real life was outside of the university setting, how to deal with a board room full of men and, you know, right down to simple things as how to shake hands. And we had like a whole lecture on practicing professional ways to shake hands. So who would have thought we would need to have that? But it is well, interesting, right? It is because until you put it to use, shake, handshaking can be very intimidating if you've never done it. And you know, most people think women are dainty. <laughs> oh, I've but gotten a lot of those handshakes. Just the tip of the fingers. Tip of the fingers, exactly. <laughs> so and it was just an interesting take on it. And a lot of um, communication skills, how to talk to people. So that gave me a good foundation to get started. Yeah, definitely. Now, then the question is, as you're and as you entered the workforce and you've been working and as, as you said, it's been printing has been very male dominated over the years. It's getting better, which is really, yes, really it good. is. And it's I honestly believe that I would suspect it's slowly at least it's got to be 50 50 by now. And that's, I think, a change in technology, which has allowed that to happen. Yeah, I'm sure, especially you look at like a lot of graphic designers, they are women there. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of women even in leadership roles. And I mean, we'll talk a little bit about that too, as we're moving forward. You're in a leadership role. I mean, there's, there's so many more women in the workplace because I think part of it too is society has changed as well. Absolutely. So in many places, two salaries are required, unfortunately. That's correct. Mm -hmm. both the husband and wife or two partners, they need to work. They both need to work to pull in a salary. So it wasn't a matter of a luxury to be able to stay home. That's correct. 
That is correct. So what is it like as you're going through this industry? Have you had to choose from having a career, having and building a family? Is that something that, you know, you experienced? And is that something that women today are still really kind of working through? Yes. I mean, being a working mom, I was, I was very fortunate to come from a a two income family, but we need both incomes Mm -hmm. to be able to live in the neighborhood we wanted to live in. You couldn't afford it on one income, but then it was a neighborhood where a lot of the people, moms didn't work. So I was one of the working moms and I was always usually just skating in the gate during football games or, you know, to get there for practice. And, but we had, it was very supportive. You know what I mean? Even though at the time I felt a little bit, you know, guilty for working because I wasn't there all the time for every family or whatever, but other moms were very supportive too. You know, they, they weren't, they didn't judge, but that was, I think a unique situation. Yeah. I can imagine a lot of places, you know, you might've had some of those, you know, stay at home moms, they may have judged. Oh, look at her. She's coming in late again. Right. Exactly. Exactly. But I was very fortunate that that didn't happen. So for you, you really didn't have to choose. You could have a career. You could have family. Yes. I was very lucky. How did you balance it all? My time management skills, I think are very good. Although looking back with it at it, I was pretty tired. You know, I honestly feel I did not start taking care of myself until my kids were much older and out of the house. When you realize you're not the priority, work's a priority, family's a priority, and then you have this third little sliver of time left for yourself, and you have to learn to deal with it, which, of course, now that I've grown children, my health and my physical abilities are my number one priority before everything else. I had the opportunity to switch it back to focus on me. Which is good because it's, it's definitely needed that self-care is required. So that way you can do whatever you want to do to the best of your ability. Exactly. Exactly. And when you're younger, you can skate by sometimes, I think, you know, on less sleep, not as not the best nutrition. (laughs) It's just grabbing stuff on the go as as you go. Exactly. Now, I mean, you've already talked a little about working moms. How do you approach stereotypes like that? I mean, in some cases you have the working mom, but then you might have the, the aggressive woman as well in some of those leadership roles, which some people think very poorly of as well. Right. You know, do you deal with those stereotypes at all or, or how do you deal with those or how did you? Well, I think when I did run into them and I'll ban moms for lack of a better description, were pretty dedicated women and it was like their main job was taking care of band kids so they could be pushy basically mm-hmm. they needed volunteers or whatever and a lot of people didn't understand limited free time which was tough but I think just being honest with them really helped get past some of that but it was I think just you have to coach yourself to let you know that you're doing what's best for you and your family. And you just have to move on and just not feel guilty about working because that, that doesn't do anybody any good. (laughs) And there's no reason to feel guilty. 
but right. you can understand though in inside that, oh, absolutely. You know, you know, am I giving a hundred percent to my children? Am I doing exactly. what's right by them? Mm-hmm. Am I doing what's right by the company that's employing me? Yes. You know, we, I think, I think as women, we tend to have a little bit more of that thought about it too. And that worry. Yes, yes exactly. You know, am I doing enough? You know, am I going to be, you know, am I doing enough at work? If I leave here 30 minutes early to make it to band practice today or whatever, t-ball practice, whatever it happens to be. I mean, is it my turn to drive? I mean, and there were some years where just because of the position, I never drove kids to practice because I wasn't able to get out of work in time. So you had to rely on your support network of other moms? My support network of other moms, other dads. It just, and you have to be open and honest with those people because I think most people understand as opposed to that we just, we can feel guilty thinking they just assume that you're not doing your part. (laughs) And it all comes down to communication, how to communicate that without feeling bad about communicating it and just being honest about the situations. And that goes back to some of the stuff that you learned at RIT. Yes, exactly. It all circles back. It all circles back. And now one, I think uh, also you had mentioned all of those things that you learned at RIT also help you in the industry when you have to stand alone in that boardroom. That's correct. You know, how to stand in front of a group of 30 people or a hundred people and how to stand up there. And a lot of it is building your confidence. You know, the first time's always hard or the first time you go up with a microphone on, there's a lot of, it's just a learning thing. And it comes back to not being afraid to take a chance. If you stumble on your words, it's okay. <laughs> We're but, more critical of ourselves. Yes, exactly. But then, you know, the thing is, you know, how do you build that confidence? You know, it's, it's, it's easy to say you need to be confident. You need to right. be, but what's the best way to build it? I honestly feel is you have to be number one, given the opportunity. And I have been very fortunate. I have been given the chance and on numerous occasions, you know, to just learn to build that. And then you have to be afraid to take, you can't be afraid to not take the chance. If somebody offers you something, sometimes you just have to go for it. You know, even if you've never done it before and just do it, you know, and I think that's a big part that we need to learn as women, that it's okay to stumble and it's okay to try. So now when you're talking about women specifically, you know, as we're seeing more and more women entering the workforce and entering the printing industry, what do women bring to the industry that maybe men don't? Not, I'm saying not all men, you know, are there certain traits or characteristics that really emphasize why it's important to have women in, you know, in the industry? I really feel a big difference or more women have can empathize with people and empathize with situations. And sometimes that can be a double-edged sword because they can just ignore or accept things, bad behavior sometimes, but you have to learn to empathize and still, let's face it, most of us are in business to make money. (laughs) So there's a fine line, but you have to be understanding, you know, to look at a situation and look at the last few years, dropping into COVID, coming out, you know, a lot of people had 
kids that, that they had to homeschool and my hat's off to them because I can't even imagine. I've seen some of the, the workloads. Yeah. <laughs> I have friends that have kids and looking at their math and I'm like, I have no idea how they're teaching math now. Cause it's so different than what I it's learned. It's so different. Yes. And that, and just to be able to restructure your entire life. It's amazing what some of these people have done. And as a company, we've been very, very supportive of that entire situation here at Thomas. Sometimes, you know, if kids had to come into the office, we could put them in a conference room somewhere so that they weren't home alone. We have people on staff that their work is important. So they have to, not everybody can work from home. I mean, this is not a business where you can take your work home. Yeah, especially if you're working on a big, large format press. Exactly. You can't take that home. You know, <laughs> can't take I'm going to hitch it to the back of my SUV and take it home and for the just night. Be fine. And I'll bring it back tomorrow, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't work that way. I mean, yes, there are no. jobs that can. CSRs, you know, some of the customer service positions, right. some of the other positions. Sales, yes. absolutely. Finance, you know, some, yes. it's easier to do those and remote into a computer, you know, to work from home, but Yes. There's certain things that just, especially in printing, is it's hands-on. You're That's creating right. physical pieces. Exactly. And it's really hard for other people to understand that. I know I was in Austin during most of the pandemic, and we were downtown and watched the entire city close around us and be boarded up. And we were the only open business, you know, because we were our office was across the street from the convention center. We were the only ones coming to work. Mm-hmm. Everything else, the hotels, the restaurants were all closed. So it was just, it was a very surreal feeling. Creepy is kind of my thought. Creepy is, it was pretty creepy. (laughs) It's very quiet, no traffic at all. It's coming back. We've turned good. Yes. You're a woman, you're in a leadership role. You're a regional vice president. How important is it to have women in positions like yours or other leadership positions, especially for those women who are just starting out? Oh, it's definitely um, important. A lot of times, I will tell you, a lot of printing companies are small, so they're like husband, wife, Mm -hmm. you know, and usually when I started, the wives did payroll, took attendance, made sure that clerical end of the business was taken care of. And that's when I first got into the business, that's what I saw. And then as the industry has changed, more and more women have gone into production. Um, They're not just CSRs, they're actual operators or pre-press people, finishers, packagers, whatever. So it's opened the door for the technology for women to just come right in and succeed. And, uh, you know, the more women know about the ground floor of the business, the more successful I think they'll be. Because you have to understand what's produced. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I came up through production. So, I mean, I understand the process. I've grown up with it as the technology's changed. I think what is hard is to walk in fresh now, not knowing all that history has to be overwhelming. Just substrates alone. Yeah, I can only imagine. Right. To start from scratch, just the terminology. It's like any field. You've got your own set of terms. We have our own measurements. <laughs> we don't eat. Yeah, you have your own way of doing things. And then even mm-hmm. from company to company, it's going yes, to be different. The language is different. That is correct. So we even see it from region to region. You know, what we call something here in Florida is the same project has another name 
in Texas? It's honestly, it's not surprising given the English language and just the the differences even with certain objects like a sandwich is named right. so many different things in so many different regions. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, you know, honestly, it's not surprising to me that even within the printing industry and the regions of the print industry, right. things are called different things and you're That's spread over exactly. four states, so. Yes, exactly, exactly. So it's, um, so we've learned and it, then that all falls back to how to communicate consistently between our shops because we share work across the states. So we have to be able to, I need to be able to send something to Phoenix and make sure if I need, for instance, three millimeter Sintra, they need to know that their three millimeter Celtic is basically the same product. <laughs> and it's funny. And it, you, you, I'm guessing you probably have like a company wide, like glossary. This is Pretty what much. this means and this what this is. These are equal. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. I could show it to you. I have one. Um, and it's, I think part of that is because of, of this is the age of mergers and acquisitions. Mm -hmm. When you start bringing in other companies, technologies, you have staff that can't even agree on what to call something. Yeah. And so, Thomas has had a lot of acquisitions over the yes. last few years. Yes. So getting all of those companies on the same platforms, talking the same language or as close to the same language as we can. Right. As possible. Exactly. Exactly. So I mean, we've done a really good job. We have a really good team. And I will tell you, there's a lot of women in management in Thomas. And we have some very open communication forums, set meetings and stuff to just to discuss current events, for lack of a better term, but current projects, stumbling blocks, troubles that, you know, different areas are seeing and stuff and ways to just exchange ideas which is important. It's very important to have that open line of communication with exactly. man between management, between those that are in the press room. Exactly. Because in, in some ways, those two groups live two very different lives. Absolutely. So if they're not talking to each other, they don't know really what's going on in either. That's correct. And with our supply chain the way it is, it's critical. Absolutely it's, critical. Yes. Yes. The supply just, chain is just completely crazy right now. Yes. And it's changed the way we've done business because before you'd say, oh, I want this paper. And it was like, okay, some purchaser somewhere would find you the paper. <laughs> well, now it's not to be found. And the substitute's not even available because XYZ print shop down the street just bought all of it up. <laughs> so. And then you hope that maybe you can barter with somebody. Hey, I have exactly. some of this. Can I get some of that? <laughs> It's, it's so crazy, you know, when you have to go through your, your backups and your backups to your backups and, right. you know, to see what's going to work for those applications. Yes. And it's going to be interesting to see how these mills come back online, what they will decide to offer mm -hmm. you know, as they start bringing more and more. The need is there, obviously, but it's just, it's going to be interesting to see what they decide to do as agreed. an individual. So. Yeah, agreed. And then with the issues that we had in, in Texas last year with That's that right. cold snap. I mean, that mm -hmm. impacted the chemical industry, which impacted exactly. blue, which is your right. back finals. It's just exactly. like, it's oh, yeah. kind of crazy. I mean, mm -hmm. and we've talked about it too, is just how so, how so many things are interconnected nowadays. That's correct. And we don't even realize it. You know, what, why we need resins. Why are resins important? Well, everything has them. <laughs> Yeah, it's crazy, you know, how one, you take out one little piece of that puzzle 
of that domino line Mm -hmm. and things just stop. Right. Exactly. And of course, as an industry, you know, when you look at adhesive vinyls, well, we've bought up as businesses, any vinyl that was sitting anywhere. So stuff that you would never use before or set your priorities, you know, you're down to your fourth preference as far as adhesive vinyls and the shelves are empty basically. Yeah. And then it's a matter of on the, on the floor, it's making sure those ICC profiles are correct and making sure that you can get the color consistency you want. That's correct. Because it's a different substrate that you might not have worked with before, but right. you have to work with now. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it had it on, you know, it's just a, another challenge. You know. It keeps everybody on their toes. That's the exactly least. Mm-hmm. And now then take, I will tell you the only other thing that this has really affected is the amount of co- price increases. We've all seen, mm-hmm. but our, as an industry whole, our costs have skyrocketed for raw materials for us. I can only imagine. Cause I mean, we're, you know, I work for a publishing company and mm-hmm. our paper costs have doubled. Right. And they're not even sure they can get us paper. You know, right. it's, it's one of those things. It's like, <laughs> well, yeah, we'll charge you double if we can get it for you. Right. Exactly. I don't think any of us foresaw some of these changes and no. inflation mm-hmm. and just some of it, obviously our customers were okay with because they're like, okay, yes. it's going to be temporary. We're just right. seeing a blip now, but now that it's a little bit more entrenched, it's going to be yes. harder to pass those costs on. Exactly. And, you know, initially it was easy to pass them on because everybody understood. Yeah. But it's not stopping. You know, the increases are coming almost daily. And it's almost like, to you, you know, the gasoline prices, this vendor just had a, you know, a 10% increase. Surprise. Oh, it's effective when? Oh, Monday. <laughs> you know. I mean, every night we hear on the news, oh, it's up another five cents, another four. Exactly. Cents you know, with mm-hmm. the gas prices. And I guess that's what we're seeing even across the board with raw materials for you guys. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nobody wants to hear that no. things are going up anymore. So <laughs> right. I can't, I can't imagine having to have yeah. that conversation with customers. It's just, yeah. Cause it's getting old. They were okay in the beginning because everybody understood. Now it's like, okay, but you already used that excuse. <laughs> Well, it still works. <laughs> it still works. Yeah, it's, it's still real. And they will never go back. Down. I don't feel the pricing will ever go back down. It's always hard for things to go back to where they exactly. were. Once, mm-hmm. once that cost and people will pay for that cost. Exactly. It's hard to get it to go back down again. Exactly. Unlike gasoline, <laughs> which we hope will eventually come back down. Hoping, fingers crossed, that that'll go back. Otherwise, I think we're going to be stuck at home for because we just don't want to use our cars. But that's right. So now, as you know, we're starting to wrap up our conversation today. You obviously had a start in printing from a young age. Yes. Which, compared to most of the women I talk to, most people have just really like if they're not if it wasn't a family business. Mm-hmm. They've kind of just fallen into printing. Right. Which is, it's, so your path is actually very different than most, but yes. I just don't know. I don't know how many schools are left for people to follow your path anymore. Especially in the public system. When you start at the younger school, I mean, less and less of those classes are even offered. Mm-hmm. I mean, I see stuff all the time where people are fighting to get just home economics back in, auto shop. It's tragic almost because it's 
a very lucrative field to be in. I mean, for me, thankfully, when I, I grew up in New York, so I had uh, a junior high school that had shop classes. We had, mm-hmm. you know, we had an auto mechanics, both in our junior and our senior high. Right. You know, we had those different options for us. Right. So like for exactly. me, we were also required to take some of those shop classes mm-hmm. just to introduce everybody to them. Exactly. So for me, I've, I've, I know how to handset type because I've done right. it. I've worked mm-hmm. on a one color press. I've made right. stuff. I've, <laughs> you know, I've, I've used routing machines and wood machines. So that way I can create, you know, some, at least some basic skills. Correct. But I don't just, I don't know how many schools nowadays have the, the money to do that or the facilities or even the teachers or the educators to be able right. to provide that kind of introduction. Exactly. Because I mean, there are, I mean, I, in the Northeast, I know, I don't know a lot about the Florida school system yet. I haven't been here long enough, but in the Northeast and in Texas, there are trade schools still. Mm-hmm. You have to make that decision almost before you know the decision you're making, you know, to be a freshman and say, okay, I'm going to the trade school. I don't know where that guidance comes from. I don't either, honestly. And I think in some cases, with print not being front of mind for some people as a career option, they're not even, right. it's not like they're going to think about it. Correct. I mean, and there's so much between marketing, even direct mail, which is a big part of the print industry now. Mm-hmm. You know, so powerful what can happen in print, not just magazine print, but, you know, just print in general stuff, personalization, all that stuff. It's like, it's pretty high tech. <laughs> It's very high tech. You get to, you know, just tracking demographics, tracking responses. I mean, it's not just ink on paper anymore. It's ink on everything. Exactly. (laughs) Plus data management and data mining and all of the IT services that all of the shops need to have in-house. Yes. Mm -hmm. Because of different, you know, privacy concerns and security issues. Exactly. That's not mm-hmm. a lot of the stuff we can, you can't ship out to other com- com- companies. That's so you can't. You need because, to be able to in-house. Yeah, because you as a printer, you're responsible for that data. If there's That's a breach, correct. then it's your problem and then you have to deal with that. That's right. You know, and it's teams of people that make that happen. Yeah. And so, all the need leaders. So <laughs> there, there's room for, you know, mm-hmm. And that's the thing I think people forget is that there are ladders to climb in the print industry. You know, it's just attracting people, I think is the big deal. And there's a lot of competition for employees now. Oh God, is there ever? <laughs> and that's the question. It's like, where do you where do you find that next person? Especially those that haven't been introduced to print at all, that have no background. You know, mm-hmm. they're they're not going to a trade school. They did the four-year college. But then there's also people that four-year college, it's not for them. For right. them, they would be much better off at a two-year college. But exactly when you get to that, that fork in the road right. during your educational career, you know, your education process, is that even offered? Right. And, you know, and I think maybe as an industry, we need to approach those two-year schools that have that pool of people that are looking for work. You know, it also affects what benefits do we offer people coming out of school? Because it's, like I said, there's a lot of competition for, 
youth employees and people that you can bring up, bring into the fold, you know, because it is a learning curve and it takes time because you have to be willing to teach. And that comes back to that too. You know, you can't, nobody is going to walk into a print shop and hit the ground running. There are people, that's not true. People with experience can do that, but new people, they need a lot of coaching and a lot of training. They need that mentoring and they need people that yes. are willing to mentor. And I think yes. in, in the industry as a whole, a lot of a lot of people that are in print are willing to mentor, to take the time right. to teach because they're realizing, you know, in many cases, the industry is aging out. So yes, exactly. What's going to happen on the other side? <laughs> exactly. And, you know, and, and that's real. It is. That's very, it's true. You know, there's... I have, you know, reached, I mean, I'm not ready to retire, not even close to retirement age yet, but I mean, I'm on that other side of that curve that where, you know, you start thinking about what thinking about it. You yeah. Know? So it's very, very interesting. Yes, it is. I'm not so, even have the discussions yet. So I'm not going <laughs> you have plenty of time to have those. I'm not ready for that. No. So my last question, it's one I've been asking most um, of the folks I'm talking to is what advice would you give young women or even yourself when you were starting out in the print industry? I would say, I think initially, even though I've, this has been in my blood for lack of a better term, is try not to let people intimidate you because it's out there. And not just men, other women too can be intimidating. And you just have to learn the skill set to get past that. You know, that believe in yourself. You know, you're good enough. Everybody's good enough. And with the right circumstances, you can be extremely successful. And don't be afraid to move if something is not right. You know, I think I have had a couple jobs where I should have left sooner than I did. You know, only out of fear you know, that I wasn't, I wouldn't be good enough somewhere else. You know, when you start questioning yourself. There's a certain safety in, in the known. Exactly. Exactly. And just learning, you know, when it's okay to leave. But I've been with this group team here almost 20 years. So it's like, I'm not going anywhere. I've have found this, what I need, you know, both professionally and which allows me the time to grow personally. So it's a balance. Yeah. And it's finding that balance. And like you said, not being intimidated, also not letting somebody else make the decisions of your career for you. Correct. That is correct. Jill, I've had an awesome time talking to you. Oh, good. It's We've been talked fun. about so many different topics today. <laughs> we kind of covered the gamut. Right. So I appreciate Wonderful. taking the time today to chat and I'm looking forward to another conversation with you. All right. That sounds great. Soon. That sounds wonderful. Thank you so much for having me.